a very big hello to you today. Wasn't that a great message from Dave? Uh, Dave, uh, thank you. Fantastic message. Uh, my name is Peter Scott. I serve as a senior pastor, so if you're online or you're here with us for the first time, it is great to see you, albeit only sort of half of your face uh, with the masks on. Uh, I want to start this morning by saying a bunch of really big thank yous. Thank you so much to, first of all, to the, the team, the church team and our volunteers who've put this morning together. So you might imagine that uh, about this time last week, we had no idea how the week was going to pan out. And over the course of uh, the last week, actually a whole lot less than that, because we just digested it first, uh, a whole lot of people have put an enormous amount of time into making this morning possible. Uh, and it is lovely to see uh, a few of you here and no doubt a bunch of you online as well. So thank you so much to each volunteer uh, and each staff member who's put in so much time to make this morning uh, happen so that we can gather. And, and I thought while I'm saying thank yous, I've been exposed this week to some amazing people doing amazing things to be ready, for instance, for our schools to open, for Kerry schools to open, our principals, our leaders, and, and all of our teachers. And I just want to say a public thank you. Uh, there is so much that goes on behind the scenes, so many decisions, so much that shifts and change, changes. So a huge thank you to the amount of work that people around Kerry have put in so that this week, uh, we hope we're able to launch. So, uh, thank you. And you know what? While I'm at it, I will just say publicly thank you to the government. Because, you know, when we see the, um, uh, Premier, the Premier make his announcements, there is so much work that goes behind that and so much thought. So I just want to say thank you to our government for what they are doing, all the hard work they're putting in in a week where we've had a lockdown and the bushfires. All right, let's, uh, let's move on. Um, Last week, it was Vision Sunday. Anyone remember that? It seems like a long, long time ago. Vision Sunday. Now, a lot's changed this week, but as I was preparing for today, I thought, you know what hasn't changed? I don't think the vision God's given us for this year has changed at all. I think it remains the same. And as usual, when God gives us a vision, He knows what's coming. And so there is no change. So I'm excited about that. And today what I'd like to do then is, is briefly recap, uh, because so much has happened, let's get our mind back into what we talked about last week, uh, and then we'll talk about what God's got for us in the next step. So we'd sort of planned a, a bit of a series, well this is the next piece in the series, it was going to be after commissioning, but we'll, we'll do it now. So first of all, our vision, it is and it has been to be and see flourishing communities of hope. I know you're all saying that behind your masks, as you know it. To be and see flourishing communities of hope. And last week we drew on John 10.10. 10. So if you've got your Bibles or your phones, grab them out. Let's, let's be looking at Scripture as we go. John 10.10. 10. And I was using the message paraphrase. You can use whatever version you like. But in there it talks about Jesus saying that the, he said, my purpose in coming was that you might have more and better life than you could ever dream of. It's this amazing phrase, abundant life, a rich life, that Jesus says, that's what I came to offer. And we talked about the fact that that offer is just so incredibly good, that as we, as we start to grasp it, we can't help but want to share it. And we made the connection that this year, God's asking us to live that out and share out, share with others 
this idea of an incredible life that's more and better than we could ever dream of. And we made the connection that it's part of our mission at Kerry. So our mission at Kerry is to be and make disciples. And we said this year we're going to focus on making disciples. And we started to connect this idea of making disciples with the journey of just sharing, connecting and sharing with people this incredible offer and story. We said it begins with connection, an intentional desire to love someone, an intentional desire to share with somebody this life that we've been offered. That's actually the start of this process of making disciples. And we use the phrase that Jesus discipled to and through conversion. Didn't start at the moment where someone said, I believe, but actually well before that. And we finished the message last week outlining what I called a challenging invitation. That on Sunday the 7th of March, of course now COVID permitting, we're actually not going to have a church service but we're going to have what we call catch-up Sunday. We're going to use that Sunday as a let's go out and catch up with someone, someone who doesn't know Jesus yet and connect with them. And it's not a day to be hammering them with biblical messages. It's a day to catch up and connect, listen to their stories, share some of our stories, just be with people because that's the model that we see Jesus used. And the idea is that that Sunday, Sunday the March the 7th, would be a catalyst for us individually, but also as a community, to say, you know what, this sort of connecting with people, in fact, specific people that God's put in our heart, that's something we need to get into a rhythm in our life. Not always on Sunday morning, because that's when we gather as God's people. But the idea is that Sunday the 7th of March will help us catalyse that practice in our lives, and we'll do it together. It'll be exciting. So 7th of March, and we'll say this every week, no service, but there will be a prayer time. If you would like to come and gather before you go out and catch up with someone for brunch or lunch or coffee or whatever you're going to do, we'll have a half-hour time here in the auditorium before both the morning and evening services where we can come together and pray for what's going on that day. What we left open last week was the question of who or whom. Ooh, should have researched that a bit more, shouldn't I? Probably some English teachers here. I'm not sure. Who or whom? Uh, is it that God has put on our hearts? Who is it that God has asked us to share this, this life that he offers us? Who are we going to share that with this year specifically? Who should we catch up with on March the 7th? And that's the question that I want to lead us through today. And I want to start here. I want to start with something I'm going to call key truth one. Key truth number one is this, that God is already at work. God's already at work. Now, the Bible is chock full of examples of this. So I'm just going to pick a couple. I'll start right at the beginning. Let's talk about Genesis, first book of the Bible. And you might be familiar with the story of Joseph. Young guy gets sold by his brothers into slavery. And sometime later, Joseph and his brothers meet again. But this time, Joseph has become one of the most powerful people in all of the land. And his brothers are worried that this guy they sold into slavery is in a position to take revenge. Here's what Joseph says. Genesis 50, verses 19 and 20. He's addressing them and he says, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, 
But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I love that. Joseph's saying, I'm not God. But God has been at work. God is always at work in lives. In fact, his intention is to love and save people, to redeem people. And he's been at work in this situation. Incredible. Maybe you want a New Testament example. In Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, we see Philip told to go to a particular road. God says, hey, Phil, just head down that way, please. So off he goes. And what happens is that he meets somebody travelling along the road and the Holy Spirit says to him, Philip, go go up to the the chariot that he's riding in. And and this person asks and says, what's this story, Philip? Maybe doesn't even know his name. What's this story, guy who's running along with my chariot? And Philip explains the whole story of what Jesus has done. He explains this more and better life. And the guy says, wow, what do I need to do? And he gets baptised in the next puddle or bit of water that they come across. God was already at work. God was at work in that guy's heart and that guy's mind. And he said, now, Philip, can you go and help this process? Jesus puts it like this in John 6:44. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. God is already at work. He's in the work of the lives, in, in the lives of the people that you know. The people in your world that don't know Jesus yet. God's at work in their lives right here in this place, in this day. I find that exciting. And it's also important for us to understand for the next piece. That was key truth one. Key truth two, we have a role. Yes, God's at work. And yes, it's God's work to shift people's heart. But he invites us in. He he gives us a role. Now, we covered this last week to some extent. Remember the Great Commission? Jesus says to the disciples in Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples. Jesus sends out groups of disciples. We touched on that last week as well. He sends out the 12, he sends out the 72. But I want to read this morning one of my favourite examples. So again, if you've got your Bible, John chapter 1, verse 43 to 50. This is, this is one of my favourite examples of, of, of the fact that we have a role to play. So we're in John 1, verses 43 to 50. It's another Phil story. I'm a bit uh, bit focused on Philip today. So, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee and finding Philip, he said, follow me. So, Jesus finds Philip and he says, Phil, come follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, we've found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of there? Nathanael asked. Well, come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. See, this incredible story, and and I I guess it took me a while to realise this, I didn't read it this way for many years, but Jesus didn't call Nathanael. Philip did. Jesus says to Philip, follow me. And Philip says, wow, this, this is cool, this is exciting, and what does he do? He goes to somebody that he knows, a friend, 
He's already got a relationship with Nathaniel. He says, guess what? There's this, this story. There's this guy. Why don't you come and see him? And Nathaniel's you know, initially sceptical. What? Ah. But he says, okay, look, because I know you, Philip, I'll come along. And when he does, Jesus changes his life forever. Incredible. There's a role there for Philip. Jesus didn't say to Philip, hey, Philip, follow me, and the first thing I want you to do is go and convert somebody. Jesus just said, follow me. And Philip's role was to say, oh, okay, great. Well, I'm, this is cool. I'm just going to go and tell my friend. So somehow God works through us, inviting us to be part of his mission, his mission of bringing people to see this amazing life that is offered in Jesus, to share the good news. So we've talked about key truth one, God's already at work. Key truth two, he invites us in to have a role and to being part of what he's doing. And so now let's talk about the process of identifying a person of peace. How did Philip identify Nathaniel? Why Nathaniel? Well, there are three parts that I want to talk about here in this idea of identifying a person of peace. Firstly, Jesus seemed to call some people at least that he knew well before he said, follow me. We touched on this again last week. In Luke 4 and 5, what we see is that Jesus was hanging out with Peter, for instance, before he said, follow me. He was at his house. He actually healed his mum. He was on his boat. All happening before Jesus said, come follow me. So some of the disciples were being discipled, were being connected with, were being hung out by with Jesus. Not sure if I got that English correct, but Jesus was hanging out with them before he said, follow me, before this whole idea that you and I might call discipleship, it started with that connection and that catch-up. Secondly, Jesus instructs his people to find people of peace. Now, where does this phrase come from? What does this mean? It's an expression that comes from Luke 10, and it's the story of Jesus sending out the 72. And as he does that, he says to them, whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. And if those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they're not, the blessing will return to you. In other words, when he sends the disciples out, he says, be discerning about the people you come in contact with. Are they receptive to the excitement that you have? Are they receptive to this conversation? They're the people to look for. They're the people to stay with. They're the people to hang out with. Now, it's not necessarily uh, uh, that, that you knew them beforehand. In this instance, some of them they might not have known. But people of peace are people who are open to you, to me. They're my people of peace or your people of peace. Now, a, a quick thought on how you can tell that, an expression uh, or, or an idea. If somebody likes you and or listens to you and or in some way is serving you or has served you, that might be an indication they're a person of peace. Have you ever met somebody and, and after a few times you just, you're connecting You've listened to their story. They're, they're, they're spending time. They want to know more about you. They seem to like you. Maybe even they offer to do something for you. That person could well be a person of peace. So just some little practical thoughts about who that might be. The third point about finding and identifying a person of peace or people of peace is this. We need to have the Holy Spirit guiding us. 
This is a process where God's already at work. And so if God's already at work, and God knows that this person, it's the right time for them to hear the story, to hear your journey, for you to engage with them, it's all been prepared. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, will prompt us in that. Jesus, before inviting his disciples to become disciples, he actually spent a night in prayer. And then he called his disciples. So we pray and we listen as we listen for discernment from the Holy Spirit and then we act. So, practical action. How do we apply that? How are we going to apply that? Who is it? We're going to get specific this morning or invite you to become specific. Who is it that you want to share this life with? Who is somebody in your world that doesn't know Jesus yet? Maybe in our Cary community. Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a friend, a colleague, a family member, maybe it's a family. But today I want us to begin praying that the Holy Spirit will put that person or those people on our hearts and that God will bring clarity to us. Who is it this year in 2021? Very specifically, who is it that he wants you and me separately to be praying for? Who is it that he wants you to invite to catch up Sunday, to catch up and hang out with? To begin, perhaps, that slightly deeper relationship or to carry on a relationship a little bit more intentionally. And so I'm going to pray for us now. Essentially, I've finished the sermon. I thought we'd keep it nice and tight this morning because a lot of people online, and it's really a simple message. It's, hey, Lord, who is it for me? So I'm going to pray and then I'm just going to lead us through a time, a minute or so of active listening, I'm going to call it. Uh, and we'll have Ben, he'll just be playing some music underneath. But what we're going to do is just have our eyes closed and pray and say, Holy Spirit, we're listening to you. So would you join me in prayer first and then we'll, then we'll move through that together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. All of this is simply based on the understanding that you love us and you love others and that you offer this incredible life, life that's more and better than we could ever dream of. And whilst we don't necessarily grasp that fully, Lord, give us more understanding. Help us to see that and what it really means in our lives right now. But thank you for the hope and purpose there is in the knowledge that that's what you offer. Thank you that you're at work in us, but also in people who don't know you yet. Thank you that it's your work, that you're preparing. Father, we pray. We pray that as you give us the opportunity to step into that, that you would reveal to us, who is it? Who is it for us, for me, this year, that you want me to be praying for, that you want me to be intentional about catching up with and connecting with? that eventually, as led by you, Holy Spirit, I might share more of who you are. Would you place them on our hearts? Father, as we pray, we give you all honour and glory and praise. Now, while your eyes are closed, and, and I'd certainly invite you at home as well, if you're uh, watching this online, perhaps have your eyes closed, just to, just to relax. This is a time of just peace. This is not a pressure time. This is a time where we just say, Holy Spirit, we are listening to you. We are open.
And so I invite you to just get comfortable. If you're at home particularly, you can get even more comfortable. You can lie on the floor if that's helpful. But let's allow God's peace to rest on us first. And as we allow that peace to settle, I just invite you to pray that indeed the Holy Spirit would reveal to you who is it this year? Who is it that the Holy Spirit's asking you to connect with, to pray for? And perhaps on the journey sometime this year to actually share more about himself. There's no test at the end of this time. There's no one we have to share a name with if, if that has not come. But I'm just going to be silent now for 90 seconds as we actively listen to our awesome God. I think there's a deep intimacy that comes with listening well. A deep intimacy that comes with listening well. Now, if you've been watching online and it's been tricky to just be silent, I just encourage you to see if you can find some time at some point just to 
be quiet and listen. It's fitting right now that we're going to take communion together in that sense of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. If you're at home, please feel free to grab your your cup and uh, something to eat. I love that Jesus has invited us to take communion in communion with each other. And this is not something that we, we have to do by ourselves. This is something we do together. And so as we process the opportunity to invite somebody who doesn't know Jesus yet to connect in and to perhaps become part of the community of people who know this abundant life, as we emerge from being isolated because of COVID, and as we celebrate here together and online together right in this moment. It's beautiful to do communion communally. And most importantly, this moment is about incorporation into the life with Jesus, into what Jesus called the new covenant. And it's a promise that God has made to love us forever. So I want to follow Jesus and what he said and I'm going to give thanks then we're going to take the symbol of Jesus body and we're going to take the symbol of the blood that he shed for us but let's give thanks first up Heavenly Father thank you again for who you are for who you are we praise praise your holy name thank you for sending your son thank you for Jesus in whom this new covenant, this new life of abundance, of more than we could hope for, comes. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for us. And as we do this this morning in remembrance of you, we give thanks for you. Amen. Now, Jesus took the bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Let's eat together now. And then he took a cup and having given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I'll not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in the Father's kingdom. Let's drink in celebration together. Now, I just invite you to continue in this space of reflection, if that's where you're at. Uh, Ben and Kyle are going to lead us in the next worship song. So stay reflective until you would like to join us as we worship our Heavenly Father.